Good morning. We welcome you to our worship service for this morning. It's November 29th. It's the first Sunday of Advent, and you are worshiping together with the McGregor Evangelical Mennonite Church. We welcome you here. Let's pray together as we begin our worship. Our God, we bring to you this morning all the things that we have done this week and the situations that we have been involved with in our work and in our homes and in our community. We bring them to you and we offer them into your presence. We pray that as we gather for worship, that we would become your people, we would recognize you as our God, and we would look forward to your presence among us. Amen. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down, so that the mountains would quake at your presence. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine, that we may be saved. We have all become like one who is unclean, and all our righteous deeds are like filthy cloth. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine, that we might be saved. Do not remember our iniquity forever. Restore us, O God. Let your face shine, that we might be saved. Is there any hope for us? Can we be saved? All of us are unclean. Our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Do not be angry beyond measure, O Lord. Do not remember our sins forever. Look upon us, we pray. O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay. You are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. Forgive our sins. No ear has heard. No eye has seen a God like you who works for those who wait for him. Mold us and make us into the vessels you can use. Restore us, O God. Make your face shine upon us, that we might be saved. Mm-hmm. 
think I see There's a band of angels and they are coming after me There ain't no grave Can hold my body down When I hear that trumpet sound I'm gonna rise up out of the ground There ain't no Look down yonder, Gabriel, put your feet on the land and see. Gabriel, don't you blow that horn till they are done with me. There ain't no grave can hold my body down. When I hear that trumpet sound, I'm going to rise up out of the ground, because there ain't no grave. Meet me, meet me, Jesus. Meet me in the middle of the air. If these wings don't fail me now, I will follow you anywhere. Cause there ain't no Brother 
Let's bow in a word of prayer. Our God, we are so thankful to come before you on the first Sunday of Advent. The first Sunday where we begin to look forward to your coming again and we begin to really take stock of our own lives. Take stock of what it is that we need to do to prepare ourselves for that time. Both Christmas and also for when you will come again. God, we pray that you convict us. God, we pray that you show us what it is in our lives that we need to give up so we can always focus more in on you. God, we pray for this, even knowing what it means for the general comfort we live in day to day. But God, also, as we look out into the world around us, we find ourselves in a mixed place. First off, we find ourselves concerned as the lockdown continues on. We find ourselves concerned for our friends and family that it's beginning to wear on. God, we pray that you will be with them. God, we pray that you will be with us so that we know how to be with them from a distance as well. This is a concerning thing for us, the well-being of our friends and family, and so we pray that you give us wisdom during this time to know how to be your light to them. And God, we also want to pray for those that have been laid off during this time. There is an uncertainty there for what will come, and it's been hard. But God, we know that you will be there. And so we pray that you make yourself seen, that that comfort that you bring will be on full display. We pray for clarity. We pray for support. God, we pray that we will remember them during this time as well. But at the same time, as these concerns go through our minds, we also think of the news. We also think of the wonderful word that has gotten out about possible vaccines that might bring an end to things. God, we pray for the medical professionals that will be dealing and continuing the testing and then eventually bringing out and administering this. It fills us with hope, even if we know that it'll still be months until things are back. But even the fact that we can feel that next year at this time, there will be some semblance of normalcy. God, we pray that that is true. But most of all, God, we pray that just because that might be the situation, we don't take our eyes off of the ball now. God, we thank you for all of the things that you do. We thank you for all of the blessings that you pour out. And God, we pray that during this time, more than anything, You teach us how it is that we need to live as people with our eyes on you. These things we pray. Amen. Psalm 80, verses 1 to 7 and 17 to 19. Hear us, shepherd of Israel, you who led Joseph like a flock. 
You who sit enthroned between the cherubim, shine forth before Ephraim, Benjamin, and Manasseh. Awaken your might, come and save us. Restore us, O God. Make your face shine on us, that we may be saved. How long, Lord God Almighty, will your anger smolder against the prayers of your people? You have fed them with the bread of tears. You have made them drink tears by the bowlful. You have made us an object of derision to our neighbors, and our enemies mock us. Restore us, God Almighty. Make your face shine on us, that we may be saved. And 17 to 19. Let your hand rest on the man at your right hand, the son of man you have raised up for yourself. Then we will not turn away from you. Revive us, and we will call on your name. Restore us, Lord God Almighty. Make your face shine on us, that we may be saved. Isaiah 64, verses 1 to 9. Oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, as when fires set twigs ablaze and causes water to boil. Come down to make your name known to your enemies and cause the nations to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since, no, since ancient times no one has heard no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you, who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. You come to the help of those who gladly do right, you who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like the one who is unclean, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind our sins sweep us away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you, for you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord. Do not remember us, remember our sins forever. O look on us, we pray, for we are all your people. Good morning, or uh, evening, or afternoon, depending on when you're hearing this message. Uh, it's a privilege to be with you here. Uh, my name is Michael Bergen. I am the program coordinator at Valley View Bible Camp. I'm sure I'm not a stranger to most of you, uh, but to some listening in, uh, you might not have a clue who I am, so now you do know who I am. My name is Michael Bergen. Uh, I was invited by Pastor Russell to come and uh, share uh, the message this morning as well as give a brief update as to where the camp's at, uh, at Valley View Bible Camp. And so uh, I'll, I'll attempt to do justice to both this morning with you. And uh, so again, it's a privilege to be here, and uh, I look forward to sharing with you this morning. Um, but let's, let's start out with a word of prayer, and uh, we'll get into, uh, into, the, into the update and the message after that. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day you've given us, and... Um, we know the, the circumstances maybe aren't what we would hope or what we are used to, uh, but we thank you for the opportunities you have given us to, uh, to gather to hear your word, um, for the freedom we have uh, to speak uh, the truth of the gospel here in, in Canada. And, uh, and so with that in mind, we also pray for our brothers and sisters in the persecuted church who are facing um, grave danger uh, for, for sharing the gospel, preaching the word of God, that you would protect them and that you would uh, uh, show them grace and, uh, and mercy as they, as they follow you 
and uh, make you known to others. Lord, we pray that you would build your church, that uh, even this morning as we uh, study your word together, that uh, the truth of the gospel would penetrate our hearts, would penetrate my heart, and would uh, would change us. We know that revival starts with us, and so we ask that, uh, that you would... Uh, grow us to be more like you every single day. And Lord, we look forward to your return. And uh, we hope for that, as we'll discuss this morning. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to to gather together digitally. And uh, may you be honored and glorified. Amen. All right, so it's... Uh it's been a, a definitely a different season for us at, at the camp. And, and one thing that has kind of rung true over the last number of months is uh, that we have much to be thankful for. I don't want to just say that um, because it's the right Christian thing to say, um, but we really have been reflecting these last couple of weeks on, um, on, on our situation and, and what, uh, what is going on and and, and thankfulness is definitely an attitude or a posture, I suppose, that we are attempting to, uh, to remain in. And so um, there's, there's many things I could share with you this morning, and certainly I can't report everything. And so just please know that uh, we as a camp, uh, myself and my wife Rebecca and our family, as well as uh, you know it's not just us there, uh, Henry and Loretta, the directors, as well as Jared and Kristen and their family, as the uh, facility managers and our newest addition to the team is Natalie Roots, our uh, administrative assistant in the office. So uh, we as a team are, are more than happy uh, to speak to what is going on at camp, to give testimony, uh, to be honest about uh, the joys and the struggles with you at any time. And so uh, as our supporters and as a supporting church, um, please know that we are more than happy uh, to discuss those things with you. Uh, obviously, it's, it's a little bit more challenging to meet in person, uh, but uh, we are happy, as always, uh, to communicate with you with that. But with that in mind, um, I want to back up, I guess, to uh, the summertime. And uh, we were open. Uh, that's not, I guess perfectly obvious to everyone, and, and that's okay, uh, because a lot of things closed down, a lot of things changed, and ministry, uh, for at least a period of time, looked like it was going to be very different uh, than what we are, are used to, and certainly it was. Uh, summer camp uh, went from being, uh, for us, an overnight endeavor, uh, where we did five-day camps for boys and girls ages 5 to 17, to being exclusively uh, day camps. And so that looks very different for a, for a camp and a ministry that doesn't know how to do that. We had a lot of learning. Uh, but even in that, we, we at, at one point in the spring, just became very clear to us that that is what we should be doing. And we shifted our focus and we chose to be thankful for what we could do. And we did it. And um, we believe God was very gracious to us in providing uh, the team that we needed. We, uh, it's, it's no secret if you've, if you've listened to our reports in the past that we've often struggled to find the mission team that we've needed. Uh, to do a busy summer ministry. And God has always provided for us in that way, but this, this summer he has provided in abundance. And we, we had more help than we, we could have needed uh, with the change in programs that we did. And it was a lot, of, a lot of fun to work with a great mission team. And in fact, there was many on the sidelines uh, uh, supporting through prayer and otherwise because we just didn't need the big, uh, as big a team as we, as we normally do. And so we are thankful for the people that God brought uh, to us to be able to do day camps. Um, numbers aren't everything, but just by way of report, we, we were able to minister to just over 500 children this summer. And uh, that was an overwhelming thing for us. We, we had no idea how this would be received, how parents would take uh, the extra 
uh, driving and, and financial burden of, of, of sending their kids to camp. And so we, we knew that, that this could look a bunch of different ways, and we knew it would be worth it even just for one or two children. That's, that's obvious. Um, but we were blown away as to the response. And so uh, we are confident that every child that came, uh, child and teen, sorry, that came uh, got to hear the gospel and to learn the word of God. It was a priority for us as it always is. And uh, we were blown away by the response. Um, some of those children and youth came from our local area. Some of them would be known uh, to us in this congregation or in our community. Um, Some came from outside of the community, and parents were faithful to drive their children in every single day. Um, We also, uh, one great opportunity that that arose is Union Gospel Mission. We have a partnership with them every year where uh, they bring out a number of children on a a charter bus. And this year that looked a lot different, but they felt very strongly that they should be continuing to send kids to camp. And they actually uh, found a, a handy van. Uh, that's a part of their ministry. They hired two young ladies, one a driver and one a chaperone, and they drove children out every single day from the city, picked them up early in the morning, uh, made that a priority. And it was such a blessing to uh, to be able to minister to some of those children who we've seen before and who we were actually grieving earlier on in the spring that we might not get to see this year. And so we are thankful that, that the Lord provided campers from our local area, but as well as uh, further uh, beyond our borders and even into Winnipeg. And so those are things we're thankful for. This attitude of thankfulness is something uh, that uh, we're reminded of uh, in past years when when George and Evelyn and Ed and Lynn Penner, uh, George and Evelyn Rogers, uh, would come and pray with us on Tuesday mornings. Evelyn would always remind us that uh, we would have a time of thanksgiving. And it can be hard to remember those those things in the moment. We can think of prayer requests often, but not those areas where the Lord is working. And, and uh, we found that if our eyes are open, we can definitely see a lot of those opportunities. And so we're thankful for that reminder uh, here. And I hope this will be an encouragement to you. Um, there's also been ways where we saw unexpected uh, support, uh, whether that be financial or uh, through through acknowledgement of people praying, uh, or or even just uh, helping uh, through volunteerism. There was some people that helped this summer that we didn't expect would be available uh, or would would have the time to serve in that way, and so. Um, when when the financial needs have been heightened here because of because of the pandemic, uh, there's been a lot of uh, support that just we couldn't have ever imagined uh, before, and so we're thankful for that as well. We are also thankful for the successful Tubing Hill uh, season we had last year, and I think that's important to mention because uh, we didn't see the financial hardship that other ministries saw early on in the spring and, and early summer because of how the Lord provided with the Tubing Hill. And I, I say that because you guys, as a church, we remember we remember those difficult weekends. And, and I think even for, for the EMC here, many of you remember uh, those volunteer times put in last year where, where things don't always go according to plan and it can be stressful and, it, and you can sometimes wonder what, what, the, what the point is, right? We're just providing a recreational service. But I believe the Lord had a plan in that. And I believe that uh, our Tubing Hill is, a, is an extension of the ministry we do at Valley View Bible Camp. And uh, those funds that were raised there, those people that got to come onto the property and have a safe, enjoyable time. Um, many of those children are also coming to camps, as I'm sure you're already aware, and some of them came to day camps, uh, but also they provided the financial stability we needed to make it through the summer, uh, or one of the reasons why we made it through the summer uh, in the clear. And uh, that is something that took a lot of stress away from us and allowed us to focus on implementing uh, ministry 
ministry opportunities. And so I think it's important to note, and we thank you, uh, even if it's just in retrospect, just know that that time that you spent on the hill, whether uh, stressful in the moment, we trust had uh, uh, reaped a harvest, I guess, in, uh, as we look ahead and saw what God had, had planned um, in his perfect timing. Um, it's also important, I think, to be realistic as to, uh, and, and to be honest about where we might be headed. And so there is a very, uh, very real possibility. Um, in fact, right now, if everything stays uh, as, it, as it is, um, we will face some significant financial hardship as a camp uh, coming into the new year. And so I think it is important to be honest about that. And, and by way of report, uh, we, we project that um, the camp will face some, some legitimate financial hardship uh, come January. And, and on. Uh, we, again, are thankful for the ways that the Lord has provided, are confident that he will continue to, uh, but we covet your prayers and your support as we uh, consider what next steps are. Uh, but certainly through all of this, um, our mission and our vision hasn't changed. And something that uh, Bill McCaskill, uh, the National Director of One Hope Canada, has mentioned multiple times as an encouragement to us One Hope Canada missionaries is that regardless of what the world is, is throwing at us right now, regardless of the, of the trials we're facing, um, we have a mission to present the gospel of Jesus Christ to those having least opportunity here. Um, whether that's in camp ministry or in, in other ways, um, there's, there's no escaping that. And that's an encouragement to know we have purpose uh, in Christ. Jesus. And so we will continue to fulfill that purpose um, uh, with the Lord's help and with your support. And so uh, that's a brief update on the camp. Uh, again, we, we want to be uh, open and available to you if you have any specific questions. And uh, we look forward to the day we get to see you guys again in person, um, Lord willing, very soon. So I want to shift a little bit over to what I've been asked to share on. Uh, it's it's an exciting time of year as we head into Christmas, and for most of you are probably aware too, this is the Advent season. In fact, this Sunday, uh, which you'll probably be listening to this message on, is the first week of Advent. And I'll be honest, as a young man, uh, I haven't given a lot of thought to Advent. I know that there's the wreath, and I know that there's the candles, and I know uh, that uh, those warm, fuzzy feelings start to well up in you as you consider Christmas and Advent, and it just all kind of rolls together. Um, but I didn't know why we celebrated it. Didn't know um, where it started, and and to not bore you this morning on all the history because I'm certainly not a history buff. I did do a little bit of digging though, just to get a little bit of a background. And so some of this might be obvious to most of you or to some of you, um, but I definitely did some learning here myself personally, and I thought I'd share it with you. So um, the Advent season is something I think that uh, from what my my study uh, revealed originated um, in the first few hundred years after. Uh, the death of Christ, and it was uh, Advent would somewhat be to Christmas what Lent would be to Easter, in the sense that it's a it's a time of preparation uh, and uh, consideration of of uh, a very important um, observance. We know that Christmas time uh, is most likely not the historical birth of Jesus Christ. Uh, I think that's uh, pretty. Um, pretty accepted across the board. Um, but to borrow uh, or to paraphrase uh, Spurgeon, I think he said he wished that there would be uh, multiple Christmas days throughout the year so that we could focus on the incarnation and focus on a risen Savior. And so it is something that we celebrate and I think legitimately and, and Advent is no exception. I uh, read a really great article that, that summarized Advent quite well in its history. And so I'd recommend if you... Um, if you have some time, you can check out uh, the 
the article online, I think it's um, from the Gospel Coalition, The History of Advent by Ryan Reeves. It just gives a very succinct uh, explanation of why we celebrate Advent and what, what its background is. And so he says that there's a, or I'll borrow some of his, his statements here as, as we go into a history of Advent. Um, so Advent comes from the Latin word uh, Adventus, um, which is, I think, derived from the Greek word uh, parousia, which uh, means presence or um, coming arrival. And so a, a bit of a, a bigger explanation of that um, by a man named Larry Pierce uh, is the future visible return from heaven of Jesus to raise the dead, hold the last judgment, and set up formally the glorious kingdom of God. And so the early disciples of Jesus Christ um, would would take a twin focus to Advent. And so the first two weeks were often focused on uh, the second coming. Christ followers would consider their heart condition, they would confess sin, and they would uh, seek a quick coming of the Lord Jesus. And then the last two weeks would transition to focus on the first coming, or the first parousia, the incarnation, or the birth of Jesus Christ, um, God made flesh. And so I thought that's just amazing. It's something that Henry Enns, the director at One Hope, uh, sorry, of One Hope Canada, of Valley View Bible Camp, my boss, has mentioned a couple times is that as Christmas is a time not just to look back, but to look ahead and to really um, have hope in the fact that we have a risen Savior and someone who's coming again soon um, to... Uh, to establish his kingdom. And so that's kind of what we want to focus on this morning is uh, we want to focus for this first Sunday of Advent on the hope that we have in Christ and how that is our only hope. And so that's where we want to spend a little bit of time here this morning. Uh, we want to look at this, uh, that, that our hope is in Christ because uh, firstly, he is God. Uh, secondly, because he is to be feared. Thirdly, because he is faithful and also because he is coming again soon. So firstly, because he is God. If we uh, bounce back to verse 4, we see, From of old no one has heard or perceived by the ear, no eye has seen a God's besides you. We have um, a very obvious statement here as my first point that, that Christ, Jesus Christ is God. We have to start here because um, the incarnation um, the coming of Jesus, uh, the first coming of Jesus at Christmas uh, that we celebrate um, is inseparable from the fact that Jesus Christ is God incarnate. And uh, without that fact, um, without Jesus being our, uh, he cannot be our savior apart from him being fully God. Um, we know he took on uh, flesh and uh, he became a man, but we have to remember that our hope is in him because he is God and because God fulfills his promises by sending uh, his son. This is Something that, again, we can take for granted, but it's so important that we just reflect on briefly. There is no God besides God. It says it here in, uh, in Isaiah chapter 64, and, and we maybe brush by that, but it's, it's important to note that there is no God besides him. And uh, we see that demonstrated in his power and his glory in creation, uh, and again, ultimately, in his son Jesus. Because he has, um, because he has done uh, this great work for us, uh, we, we praise him um, for the fact that he uh, remains true to himself. Um, secondly, we'll just move on from there. We want to focus on God and our hope in him because he is to be feared. Uh, if you read ahead or back in Isaiah chapter 64, um, we see how the, uh, 
his creation uh, trembles or uh, quakes in his presence. He says the mountains quake at your presence. Um, he causes, uh, his, his fire is so fierce it causes water to boil. Um, he makes his name known to his adversaries so that the nations might tremble at his presence. Um, well, as we consider Advent, we, again, if you remember, the, the de- brief definition of Advent is presence, is, is uh, God with us, is uh, his coming. And it's because that he is present with us, uh, it's because of that presence that it also causes us to fear his name. And God has such power that he is to be feared. Um, and we know that as believers, the fear of the Lord is something that is much different than the fear of men. Uh, and we are actually commanded to fear God. Um, in fact, in the Proverbs, we know that the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. And so that is something we're actually studying a little bit in our morning meetings at the camp is this idea of the fear of the Lord. It's something that is, is I think, without getting into it too much, there's a, there's a reverent fear of the Lord. And it's something that we are to be in awe of. I'm sure that's not a perfect definition, but for the purposes of this morning, as we consider Isaiah and the the Advent season, our hope is in God because he is to be feared, because we can can hold reverence to him and we can understand that he is all-powerful and he is holy and he is worthy to be praised. So if the nations trembled and the mountains quaked at the Lord's presence, how much more are we, his image bearers, to be in reverence of him? I have to say this with humility because uh, even during this pandemic time, as I've been reminded that my, my time spent should be more reflective of, of my relationship with Christ and I should be knowing him more, I've reflected on the fact that I, I lose reverence of God because I don't make him a priority. And I think uh, to fear the Lord means to understand how important he is uh, to our lives and to our, uh, our relationship with him is pivotal to our success and our uh, yeah, our, our success in, in relationship with him is, is uh, hinging on, on our fear of him or our reverence of him. We need to understand as well the, the fallen state of our souls. Isaiah 64 talks about um, the fact that, that we are um, basically nothing apart from him, that, that uh, we have sinned and we have been in our sin for a long time. And uh, God's anger is kindled towards sin and, and there's nothing really we, apart from, our, uh, apart from Christ, can do about it. Um, there's, there's an idea that our reverence for God also encapsulates the fact that, that apart from him, we are dead in our trespasses and sins. And I think that's a, that's a key aspect of the gospel. I'm sure you would agree that if we don't understand first and foremost uh, the, the weight of our sin and what that does to separate us from a holy God, um, we, cannot encom- we cannot encounter uh, the true and risen Savior. And so we need to understand that our sin separates from us from him and our reverence needs to be held in the fact that he is holy and he will, he will judge sin and he, his anger is kindled against sin and that we need to be saved um, from his wrath. And so it's, it's important for us to, to, to consider that. And I think that's why in the history of Advent, we, we see a, a strong uh, underpinning of, of repentance and, and, and of uh, rending uh, our hearts towards God, considering what is present in our lives and what is holding us back from encountering true relationship with him, because anything like that is going to prevent us from actually seeing the glory in a risen Savior. If we are corrupted by sin, if we are, if we are living in sin, um, we are going to, to miss uh, the blessings that we have in Jesus Christ. And so it's important to remember that God is to be feared in reverence. But then we want to move on from there, and uh, we want to talk about how uh, God is faithful. 
And the reality is that we need the promises in Scripture of a coming Messiah, and we know that, it, that it's true. We know that as we read Isaiah, um, not just in, in 64, but uh, Isaiah is, is very uh, messianic in its, in its delivery, and, and there's, there's, there's plenty of specific prophecy um, for, for, foretelling the coming of Jesus Christ in very, um, in very clear, specific language. And uh, we know that God's people um, before Christ hoped for a coming Messiah. They saw this and they saw that God was going to fulfill his promises to his people, that he was going to send who he promised he was going to send and because God is faithful. And uh, if we, we must trust and reflect on the fact that our hope is in Christ, our hope is in God because he is, in, because he is faithful, because he has sent his son Jesus. And we, don't, uh, and we can look in the Old Testament and New, and we can see time and time again evidence and, uh, and prophecy uh, to prove that point, that God is faithful and will do what he says he will do. Um, it will come to pass. Whatever, whatever his words say will come to pass. We live in light of the incarnation. Um, we are on this side of Christ's birth, his life, uh, his, his um, suffering, and his resurrection. And so how much more um, is the promise of God's faithfulness, the reality of God's faithfulness for us as a church, how much more is that to impact uh, our faith and our hope in him? Uh, again, I think that's an obvious statement, but I, I don't take enough time personally to consider what that means for us. We, we have... Uh, a historical account, at the very least, of, of the man Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, dying on the cross for our sins. We can look back and yet look ahead to a coming Savior. We're so blessed to be in a time such as this where we have uh, both realities and it should affect the way that we live. It should affect the way that we hope. Just by way of illustration, as far as um, uh, evaluating hope, um, my children can demonstrate a lot of hope at times. And so um, one of the ways that I see this is, uh, is when we go for drives in the car. Uh, so there's been a couple times in the last number of years where we have surprised our children with uh, something fun. Uh, one, one time we, we took them to a hotel and we kept it a secret. And it was a, it was a great surprise. Uh, we've taken them swimming and just not said anything. My parents did the same when I was younger and those are fond memories. And so we like to, uh, to, to do those special things for them. Um, but the, the fruit of that is now every time we get in the car, there's this, uh, there's this uh, faithful hope that uh, something is going to happen that's to their advantage. Um, they are almost giddy with excitement if, if they know we're going for a drive and mom's packed snacks or, or we're going to Brandon, that it's going to end in uh, a hotel stay or a swim at the pool or even a chance uh, to stop in at grandma and grandpa's or a friend's house. There's, I'm sure you guys can relate, especially those of you with children, or that there's this, there's this hope. I don't know. Uh, and it's always hard as parents to have to dash their, their hopes and dreams and just say, actually, we're just going to run errands or um, you have to sit in the car while, while uh, mom goes, grabs groceries and, and then it becomes a uh, a real downer for them. But there's this genuine hope because they have seen um, something that is true take place and uh, they, they see the potential for it happening again. And so obviously no illustration is perfect. Um, but my children, I think, really um, embody uh, a type uh, or a, I guess uh, some characteristics of hope that we should have in, uh, present in our lives as well. As we consider what Christ has done on the cross, as we consider his, his incarnation at Christmas time, as we consider uh, God uh, 
in times of old prophesying uh, through his prophets the coming of a savior, I think it should uh, increase our hope and our joy in, uh, in his second coming. And uh, I, all too often I forget uh, that that is something that we are to, to long for as believers. Uh, in fact, uh, Jesus even instructs us in how to pray that we should be seeking his kingdom come. And, and so we, we have clear instruction, clear encouragement that our hope is to be in a risen Savior who's coming again soon. And, uh, and that's something we need to be focusing on uh, this Christmas as we, as we hope in Christ because he is faithful. Um, verse 8 uh, says as well, But now, O Lord, you are our Father, and we are the clay and you are the potter. We are his handiwork. Uh, we are his children. Um, God is faithful because even through all this, uh, the, the mistakes that we've made, um, that where his anger is kindled, uh, where, where our sins that have separated us from a holy God, um, we see this, as, as Isaiah 64 continues this narrative, we, we see, but now, O Lord, you are our Father. There's this reminder that we have a Heavenly Father who is faithful to fill his, fulfill His promises to His people. And His people are anyone who call on the name of the Lord and, uh, and, and confess their sins and choose to follow Him. And uh, the Lord, as we, as we know, is faithful to send His Son as promised uh, to an undeserving people. Um, I'm not asking us as a church um, to, to stay in this place of, um, of guilt and shame over our sin, but I guess I just want to remind us this morning, and, and again, just be very clear that it, it's, it's important to reflect on where we've come from and uh, what we were apart from Christ, and I think it makes or it helps us to hope and to, to take joy in and to anticipate uh, Jesus Christ all the more. And finally, we want to talk this morning on, uh, on that we can hope in Christ because he is coming again. Uh, we have touched on this a little bit already, but we, we know here that uh, God's presence uh, demands a response. The mountains quake, uh, the nations tremble, uh, and Advent, if loosely translated, talks about God's presence. And uh, we know that his coming again isn't just, be, isn't just hopeful because he'll fulfill his promises to us, which is, is certainly the case, but because uh, his presence, in fact, actually allows us to hope. God has never eternally removed his, his presence from us. There is a real sense that if we do not follow him and confess our sins, that we will face an eternity apart from his presence. But in Christ, his presence will always be with us. We had uh, Jesus Christ coming uh, in, uh, in human form at Christmas time and at uh, after Christ departed, he gave the church his Holy Spirit, and, uh, and it was a mark of our salvation. We had God's presence with us, and we still do to this day. In fact, uh, we know that the, the, uh, that the Holy Spirit is a mark of our salvation, and we know that Christ is coming again soon to draw us to himself and to take us into, uh, uh, to be with him for eternity in heaven. And so uh, Christ's second coming is a continuation of him being with us forever and, and a fulfillment of that promise that he will, um, he will never leave us or forsake us. And so Christ's second coming is critical as we consider um, his presence with us in this Advent season. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 4.13, uh, it says this, 
But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive will be left, who, uh, who are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. God's presence is with us now and forever and his second coming uh, is a continuation of that. Um, there's a lot of debate on to how, as to how that will all happen in end times theology, and I don't desire to get into that now, and I, my reading Thessalonians isn't meant to cause uh, an argument or anything like that. But what we know for sure is that Christ is coming again. It's clear in Scripture, and we need to believe that, and we need to preach it as a part of the gospel. If we read uh, at the very end of Isaiah chapter 64, uh, of the section we read in, in verse 9, it says, The writer says, Be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember not our iniquity forever. Behold, please look, we are your people. And I I believe we have an answer to that, um, a partial answer at least, in Isaiah, if we we flip back a few pages, in Isaiah chapter 54, um, verses 7 to 9, where it says this, For a brief moment I deserted you, but with great compassion I will gather you. In an overflowing anger for a moment I hid my face from you. But with everlasting love, I will have compassion on you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. And so we see um, a restoration that takes place through hope and faith in Jesus Christ, uh, by faith alone, actually, and and by faith we have hope that uh, God has actually put aside his anger um, as he looks at his son, Jesus Christ, and he looks at the sacrifice he has made um, for the sins of uh, of his uh, of his people, and so I'm so thankful that um, God's promises are also true in that we have um, forgiveness of our sins in Christ Jesus alone. And God, um, hundreds and hundreds of years um, before Christ, has already made that promise to us, and He is faithful to fulfill His promise. And so um, we can take hope in that. Our iniquity is taken away, and uh, we are given an everlasting love. And we have the Holy Spirit, again, as a reminder or a mark of our salvation. Right now, it seems like the whole world uh, has a heightened awareness of our need for hope. But we as the church are supposed to be stewards of this eternal hope. Why is it so hard to hope in Christ or in the Lord when uh, trouble and conflict creeps in? And this has been something I've asked myself. And maybe uh, is, is my, my point or my encouragement to you as we end this morning is... Um, Regardless of where we are in, uh, in, in proportion to Christ's second coming, we know that he's coming again soon. We know that it's sooner now than it ever has been before, as cliche as that, as that sounds. We know that um, this side of eternity we will find trouble, um, but we're supposed to take heart because uh, Jesus has overcome the world. Um, but yet, why is it so hard um, to display a hope when uh, that's all actually the world is seeking? We know that, um, that the cross of Jesus is foolishness to those who are perishing, so there's no doubt we will face opposition. But why, as a church, is it difficult for us to hope in Christ? As we enter into this Christmas time and all the, the challenges we might face uh, momentarily, um, how come for myself, I'll just bring this to myself, how come it's so hard for me to find joy and hope in a coming Savior and uh, for that to be enough? 
Um, and to be honest, that's a very convicting question to ask because it really puts things into perspective. It um, makes me consider how I've spent my time these last number of months uh, during this pandemic season. And it makes me question um, um, how I should be spending my time, how God has commanded us to, to serve him. And uh, I think we have a bit of an answer, or a bit of an awareness of this. God, God knows the struggle, um, and he knows um, the, the challenges we face. Uh, he knows who we are intimately. Um, we see in First Corinthians, or sorry, Second Corinthians chapter 4, uh, verses 6 and 7. I'll actually turn there just to make sure I, I, uh, I read it properly. It says, uh, it says this, I'll read 6 first. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. So we have this hope or this power we have this promise of Jesus Christ in, in, uh, in uh, mortal earthly bodies. In, uh, and it's, there's a, fragi- a fragility there. We, uh, we, are, we are susceptible uh, to, to struggle, to trial, um, to sin. And uh, it should just heighten our, our, our sense of awareness or our need um, for Jesus Christ in all areas of life. But we have this hope uh, we have this hope in Jesus still in, this, in these jars of clay, and uh, we need uh, the power and the presence of God uh, to strengthen us so that, uh, so that that hope can be shared during times of great trial when, when our flesh and our heart may fail, uh, but the word of the Lord uh, will stand forever. And so we need to remember that this is not something we can do on our own. We can't just know the gospel. Um, we can't just know what the Bible says um, and... Uh, take a self-righteous approach um, to that during this time when the world needs to hear um, the hope of Jesus Christ. We need to depend on him, uh, especially now as we see the day approaching. We need to depend on him and we need to uh, take courage and we need to trust and hope that he is faithful, that he is to be feared, that he is, um, that he is coming again soon and we need to um, turn away from our, from our old way of living and our fear of, of men and our fear of... Uh, of uh, this world and we need to hope in Christ and share the treasure or the hope that we have in Jesus with the nations. Our weakness necessitates it. Um, and in fact, it gives, uh, it gives um, a sense of urgency uh, to the gospel message. Maybe you're listening right now and, and, you, and you have that hope. And certainly I, I trust that, um, that as a church here, um, as we gather, that we, we, we gather as a church, and the church is Christ's people. And so many of us are, are united in that. We have hope in Jesus Christ, and that's great. I would challenge you to trust in hope that Jesus is coming in soon. Trust that he has given us a, um, a mandate to share the gospel, um, to live the gospel in our actions, in our words, in our thoughts, um, to, to hasten the day of the Lord um, and, and seek and seek a second coming. Uh, but maybe you're listening uh, right now and, and you don't have this hope. Um, you've heard about him maybe. Maybe you've heard about Jesus. You've heard about um, the promises he has made to you. You've heard about his life, death, and resurrection, but have not yet tasted his goodness uh, for yourself. Um, it would be uh, a misstep for me not to offer you uh, the hope that can be found alone in Jesus Christ. Um, allow me to ask you to not put it off any longer. Now more than ever, as we see the day approaching, um, and, and trust me, the day will come. We all need to be aware of that and to take joy in the fact that God will come uh, again soon. 
uh, through his son, Jesus Christ. Um, don't put it off any longer. Uh, we have briefly looked at God's faithfulness this morning, and so I, won't, I want to encourage you that if you turn from your sins today and call out to the Lord, he will save you, and he will give you a reason for hope. Um, Romans 10, uh, it says that um, if we can, uh, if anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so I encourage you this morning, if you have not tasted and seen that the Lord is good, if you have not uh, yet become a child of God and have your hope firmly set in him, uh, call on the name of the Lord and you will be saved. And uh, I encourage you to reach out to another believer and to share that and to grow and be discipled and uh, be sanctified uh, in the Lord. So as we enter this Advent season, let's remember that those who hope in Christ have his, in, have his indwelling presence. We have the Holy Spirit, and we have hope of a coming Savior. Now more than ever, I believe that we have a message of hope to bring to the world. And so as we enter this Christmas season and, and, and essential services uh, are all we can, uh, all we can pursue, it's, it's, I, let's see it as a blessing. Let's see it as an opportunity um, to give the best gift that we can ever give. And I don't care if I'm being cliche here and... and uh, because I'll say it anyways, let's give the hope and the love of Jesus Christ this Christmas season. Let's remember that we have this treasure in jars of clay that we need to depend on Jesus. If you're feeling weak, um, scared, burdened, uh, fearful of men, uh, if, you're, if you're feeling overwhelmed by everything that's going on in the world, uh, take heart because Jesus has overcome the world and uh, he has given us the same power that has rose Jesus from the, de- from the dead is at work in, in, in our hearts today. And so if you are a follower of Christ, you have hope in him, you have hope in his faithfulness, and you have hope in the fear of the Lord, and you have hope that he's coming again soon. And let's make that message known um, in abundance this Christmas. Let's make uh, the hope of Christ the true reason for the season. And uh, let's give that gift to the world in a time where we're facing uh, criticism and, uh, and rejection. Again, remember that the, the world will hate us as a result of Jesus. Um, but God will do the work of drawing people to himself. And let's just be obedient to what he has called us to do is to make him known. So thank you for the opportunity to share with you this morning. Um, it's not often I get to do this and I, I ask for your grace as, uh, as uh, I've been studying. I've been encouraged personally and I've been challenged in my faith. I, I know now more than ever that uh, God has given me uh, a mandate to walk in obedience to him. And this was a part of that process. Um, None of us are, are, are perfect, but Christ is worthy to be praised. And it was a privilege to be able to, to share with you this morning. Again, from, from putting back on my Valley View hat, we thank you for your support. And, uh, and we, we, we love you guys, and, and we love the church and our community. And we're so thankful to be part of a body um, that is active. And uh, I look forward to continuing to serve uh, Christ alongside you guys, uh, specifically in our communities, but also individually as we get to know him and uh, and live for Christ every day.
benediction we turn to the book of Romans. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Go now and serve our God.